0: Hi, I'm Scott, and I'm Ida, and this is Yoga World. We study and teach yoga all over the world, and these are our stories.
1: Hello everybody, welcome to our bonus episode of The Decades.
0: Can't believe we've made it.
1: All the way through the 20th century, so decade by decade, from the 1900s, all the way to the 1990s.
0: Yeah, I can't believe we've spent 10 episodes on one century. And, and I can't believe how much, how much uh, the meaning of yoga changed over that time.
1: Right. Well, I mean, we've just kind of scratched the surface of some figures, some ideas, some concepts. But in that, it is so clear that there are so many versions of yoga Mm-hmm. and so many ideas, and so many kind of conflicting ideas. Yeah.
0: Going in, I think, I thought that uh, the 20th century, being so modern as it is, mm-hmm. like it's just the last hundred years, and right. in the course of history, it's it's just the blink of an eye. And in the history of yoga, it's just the blink of an eye.
1: Right, right.
0: I really expected that we would see more consistency, mm-hmm. or we would see a clearer uh, idea uh, and, you know, a clearer consensus around what yoga is or how it's done or where it comes from or what it means?
1: Right. Well, this is such a period where it it changes so drastically. Mm. I mean, maybe every century is like that, yeah. you know, and we just, we don't know. <laughs> but because we have access to so many materials from the 20th century, so many surviving materials, we're able to see such a drastic change, uh, decade to decade, and even within the decade, teacher to yeah, teacher.
0: definitely. Yeah, it makes me wonder about the other centuries, you know, like a thousand years ago, perhaps ideas changed this fast, mm-hmm. and there was this much diversity of thought, but we just don't have access to it. Right, right. Or if information did travel that much slower, and ideas evolved that much more slowly, it's hard to know.
1: Yeah, it's definitely hard to know. And there's, you know, the the sort of older history when we get one little piece, mm-hmm. it's so huge because it's few and far between to have sources from that far back that we can that we can really understand.
0: Right. And so we get the impression that philosophy or, you know, human ideas have a certain consistency for a few hundred years at a time,
1: right? Well, it yeah, it's isn't it funny the the method of looking at history when we're like, okay, this happened in you know 200 BCE, and mm. then in the year 400, yeah, right, yeah. and it's like 600 years in between those two things, yeah. but but because of what we have to work with, sometimes that's what we have.
0: Yeah, I do think that any historian will will acknowledge that. That lack of perspective that we have, that when we look back at history and we see like even a text with an idea or you see an archaeological artifact, it's really easy to attribute a consistent, coherent belief system or culture that is built around that. When, um, as we have seen in this century, everything is constantly changing. Right,
1: right. Well, and I think thinking about these older ideas of yoga or what yoga might have meant, you know, far before the twentieth century brings up an interesting point that we see in the materials that we've looked at in the twentieth century, which is that there's always this push for yoga to be really old, mm. you know, and ancient and historic. And then there's the idea that no 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 no, it's new, it's modern. It's innovative and those sit side by side so often and often they sit in conflict with one another.
0: yeah the push for modernity and the push for in this era it's it's science mm-hmm. you know the push of yoga toward modernity makes perfect sense because I've like in every year and every month, like whatever the new idea is or whatever the fad or whatever the the new knowledge is, Everyone is scrambling to get on top of it, and Mm -hmm. everyone is scrambling to incorporate that into their own business or their own system or their own life.
1: Right, to seem up to date and cutting edge.
0: Yeah, and so that element, the modernity element of it, makes perfect sense. Mm -hmm. The more confusing element, oddly, is the tendency to look backward and to try to draw either meaning or just value from ancientness. And I realize as I say that that maybe maybe that's an obvious place to draw value or meaning like tradition is something that that many of us hold dear at least in name.
1: Right. Well, I think that's the thing that that happens is that the names mean one thing, the names of the practices mean one thing, the forms of the practices maybe mean another. Mm. You know, and like if you're you're doing maybe modern calisthenics for exercise, but you're calling it yoga, which one is it?
0: If there is one overarching progression of yoga through the 20th century i would have to say that it is the physicalization of it mm-hmm. where at the turn of the century vivekananda and his followers are very either anti-physical or only a tiny bit physical and then as the decades progress without fail it gets more physical more more practices of the body more uh, more variety more intensity in the physical practices,
1: right, and to be even more specific about that, it becomes physical for the benefit of the body. Yeah, that's you a know, good and point. and nowadays we reference like, oh, this is hatha yoga; it's physical yoga. But hatha yoga wasn't for health, sure, right? I mean, occasionally maybe there's the mention of doing asanas for diseaselessness, yeah, um, and and you know, brief mentions that that sort of incorporate. Ideas of health, but not at all to the extent that we talk about it today. And I would even go so far as to say that hatha yoga isn't about health. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's a it's about something very different. And so, when you have this push for physical yoga and for physical yoga for health, that just propels itself in the 20th century. That's a pretty new idea.
0: Yeah, yeah, and maybe you're you're touching on a a really good point that is perhaps a better way to say it than yoga becomes more physical is that yoga becomes more health focused. Right. Or perhaps that like all of our culture becomes more health focused and more physical practices, including gymnastics and including contortion and including jogging and including aerobics. All of these things develop and yoga uh to a large extent, just goes along for the ride. And, mm-hmm. and yoga incorporates all these new health ideas throughout the century.
1: Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and those practices develop and yoga develops, and sometimes they're using the same practice.
0: Well, and the flip side of that equation is, as yoga gets more physical or more health-focused, does it lose the the other side of that coin which is you might call spirituality or um internality or consciousness or something like that
1: well this is one of the huge patterns that we see in the 20th century also is the constant back and forth between yoga is physical it's just about health stretching de-stressing mm. the body it's not a religion it's a secular practice and then on the flip side you have you know yoga brings you closer to brahman or yoga is a practice of god realization yoga is very much based in the upanishads mm-hmm. right and you have you have teachers and passages that consistently take both of those approaches
0: mm-hmm.
1: sometimes even in the same book <laughs> right yeah
0: right at the risk of being overly general, I do think the Western, when yoga makes it to the West fully, which is what maybe around 1950, mm-hmm. it does seem to be after Indian independence that that yoga fully comes to the West and starts to take on a life of its own in the West.
1: I think it's happening slightly before that in the, the 1920s, 1930s, but, but to your point, it's sort of laying the groundwork in the first half of the 20th century. Okay. And then it really kind of takes off after that. But I, I think also that is just because the world around World War II is just that the focus is not health and yoga and spirituality. The, the purpose is survival, yeah. you know, and dealing with this massive event that is shaping the whole world. And so after that, then you get this yeah. new conversation. Like every
0: conversation changes after something exactly. like that. exactly. But once once we start getting Western teachers, and perhaps Indra Devi is, you know, a a caveat or she's kind of on the fence right. as to whether she counts as a Western teacher or not. Right. But you know, even from the beginning of the fifties when she writes about yoga for youth and health, and and she makes the point that it's not a spiritual practice. And then increasingly as yoga gets on television and it gets in the culture. Mm, In the pop culture. In the pop culture. I mean, yeah, you definitely have your wobbles back and forth towards spirituality in those first couple decades. Mm -hmm. You've got your Woodstock, which definitely is meditative and more spiritual. Mm -hmm. But then starting in the 70s and definitely in the 80s, it becomes so secular in the West. Mm -hmm. And Western teachers make it increasingly physical at the expense of anything that we could be mistaken as, quote, Eastern religion or Hinduism or...
1: Yeah, but you still end up with kind of a hybrid. This is still a line that's never completely drawn in the sand. You Mm. still have this idea that yoga, yeah, I go to yoga, you know, and I feel better. But there's something about it that is being referred to as you know, beyond exercise or different than exercise. And I think that is just becomes yoga. You know, I mean, certainly you have the yoga at the health center classes where it is probably purely a health practice, Mm. but there's usually some sort of, you know, teaching attached with it or chant attached with it or some, some version of... This isn't just exercise that yeah, sort of like hangs in the air.
0: Yeah, which is what separates it from gymnastics or aerobics or right, something right. like that. You Going to a yoga class is different from going to a step aerobics class. Another odd thing that came up to me uh listening back which was a strange experience in itself <laughs> listening to yourself talk for 10 hours was the the transition in the 20s and 30s from muscularity to thinness right so to speak right, right? like in the in the 20s and in the early 30s you have the the very first teachers of yoga the very first manuals and uh, courses of yoga by Iyer and Sundaram and, and Bishnu Ghosh, mm-hmm. who, are, who are literally bodybuilders. And they, they talk about health through building muscle. And you're probably too thin and you're not healthy. And here's a way to build perfect proportion. And um, it, it is yoga as a form of body building. And then somewhere in the 1930s, it seems that a transition happens where the bodybuilding element is de-emphasized and it takes a turn toward thinness and leanness and uh, flexibility.
1: Right. Yeah. And they sort of exist side by side for several decades, I think, where, where you haven't eliminated the bodybuilding aspects. Okay. You know, there's, there's, Oh it's important to have strong muscles, but it's also important to have flexible muscles or you know range of motion. Mm. And you you have this sort of coexisting of these two ideas until finally we get to like no no, muscle is bulky. You know, the yoga body is one that is thin and lean and flexible.
0: Yeah, and if I'm not mistaken, that reflects a turn toward the internal organs
1: right. where Where health isn't muscular, strictly, health is your circulation, your glands, mm. your organs, right? which which echoes what you were saying at the beginning that this turn toward health, right? And what does that mean exactly? What does it mean to be healthy? Mm. And I think you see in the f- the first part of the twentieth century that health means strong muscles, that you're not weak, yeah. you're strong. And then you see this shift.
0: Because a sick person is gonna be spindly and thin and frail.
1: Right, right. Well, and also consider the context, at at least in India, where there's a huge divide between those who have enough to eat and those who don't. Yeah. You know, even as simple as that. And so thinness and is somewhat synonymous at times with weakness and ill health. Sure. And so you see these people with big muscles and and that is a sign of health
0: yeah that makes sense
1: and then it and then it sort of transitions like you're saying into no 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 it's it's it doesn't matter if you're really big and muscular it matters if your organs are healthy Mm -hmm. and and Mm -hmm. your circulation is healthy and if energy is getting to all the parts of your body
0: do you think there's anything more to the the inner turning of yoga in this time Or is it reflecting the scientific uh, progress? Like if science at the time is just starting to understand that a healthy liver is good and circulation of the blood is good and a healthy thymus gland is good for you. And so yoga is just reflecting that scientific advancement? Or is there something more symbolic in that inward turn? Whereas muscles are so external, and the glands are much more internal. and that and that plays to yoga's strengths in some way.
1: I think that it's impossible to take one aspect and make it the sole aspect for for the shift in in yoga. And I, I think that the more you look, the more you have to consider multiple angles. Mm. And I think that there's no doubt that this push towards scientific understanding, is huge at this point. Um, You know, that like, this is what we now know about health. And this is how yoga can be beneficial for health of the body. You know, that modernization. Yeah, There's no doubt that that plays a huge role. But I also think that there's no doubt it's also a focus of yoga and a way that it differentiates itself from other exercise regimes is that there's this internalization that's going on and and that internalization is synonymous with you know an internal spiritual Mm. practice or an internal discovery discovery of the self uh prayer like these things all sort of become merged in some ways uh, that that what happens internally is profound to a being more Mm -hmm. so than what happens externally Mm -hmm. and so on the physical level it is certainly related to scientific developments mm-hmm. that you need a healthy liver and you need your stomach to function well mm-hmm. and your digestive system to function well. So on a physical level, I think that's very much related to modernization and, and science. But on a more symbolic level or 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 less physical level, it also represents the idea that what is happening internally is perhaps more important than what is happening externally sure and and whether that's your organs or whether that's you know spiritual realization yeah, yeah, yeah. that line is a little bit murky yeah that's a
0: good point point. and i think that the internality actually suits yoga very well
1: absolutely absolutely and it's what kind of <laughs> gives like Weightlifting sometimes a bad reputation or, yeah. or running, you know. We're we're it's easy for for us to be like, oh, that's just all about the body or something. Mm-hmm. That's not that's not deep, you know, mm-hmm. or or something like that. But using that the flip side of that to then strengthen the idea of yoga. I, I'm doing things that are healthy for me, but it's the internal. But it's internal. Practice.
0: It's the most internal version of health, which is like your glands and your organs. <laughs>
1: yeah, and that internal nature also is represents internal development in spiritual ways.
0: Yeah. Well, and we we have avoided the topic of the yogic body and things like chakras for for this entire mini series and we have done that on purpose. But it reminds me that there is no shortage of writing about how the organs or the glands are actually representations or they are physical manifestations of the energy centers of your body or the chakras which actually have some history in hatha yoga
1: yeah that's a good point i mean these internalization practices the the internal health fits really well with chakras and kundalini and prana and these ideas that were never in my opinion, were never meant to be physical ideas. Yeah. They're esoteric ideas they're they're ideas of energy
0: mm-hmm.
1: that we attempt to put names to. but specifically the the mapping of them onto the body was like a really late and specific approach to making yeah. sense of them. And certainly, like that has has carried into the modern time as well and mm-hmm. into today's yoga where you're you're not making your glands healthy. You're making your chakras healthy, yeah, and aligning them. And that's the point of these practices that brings true health. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can go to Rishikesh and get our chakras read for uh, twenty bucks. You know, yeah, right,
0: right. Well, <laughs> that's
1: that's real, by the way. You can get a get a uh, flash drive that that shows you what each of your chakras were reading as, and and if they are aligned, and if they're not, which ones out of alignment.
0: Well, that, that makes it seem like the muscle focus of yoga is sort of out of sync with both its older history and its newer history. Right, yeah. And so so perhaps it makes perfect sense that that was just a blip, that, that it, it happened briefly and very quickly uh, Indians got away from the yoga as muscle building.
1: Right. Yeah, I think that does make sense. We just happened to start this series in a time period where that was more common. And so it's sort of like our starting point, but it yeah. but like it's not the starting point. All of this brings up a really interesting situation, you know, and set of questions, which is like what do you need to be healthy? And what what does that even look like? Mm. And is it possible to make your chakras healthy, but have your muscles be really weak and mm. be, you mm. know, and that works? Or is it possible to make your muscles really strong, but have your organs not really function and that's health? And, mm. and like what combination of these ideas equals health? Mm. You know, and like health and therapy and therapeutic approach and like all of these words are perhaps not defined enough you know like Mm. what is what does it mean to be healthy because here as we're talking about there's like several different versions of that Mm. there's the external health there's internal health meaning organs and glands and circulation there's internal health meaning your energies systems sure you know and and what do those mean and and i guess more to the point how do you access that Mm. because you take a one yoga posture and depending on perhaps what what teacher you're looking to or what source you're looking at it does all of those things sure it makes your muscles strong and then somewhere else it makes your organs strong and somewhere else it makes your chakras aligned okay and i'm not sure that makes any sense (laughs) to have a practice that like does all of these Mm. things i don't know like these are these are ideas i think worth looking into deeper and thinking about more and like what kind of health are we after and therefore what practices should we be doing
0: yeah but that brings us all the way back around to a conversation that we've we've almost already had which is exactly what you're saying what is health and health means a different thing at any given time in history as our knowledge of disease and longevity, and um, sleep, and stress, or energy, you know, it depends on what time in history you're at, the definition of health, and it also depends a lot on where you are from, and the, the mindset that you have learned, because, I mean, the way that we talk about these things, we are obviously both from the United States, and so we come from a Western science, reason, type of background. And so I, I personally see the world in that way and I don't I don't know if it's possible for me to see the world in a different way. And if you came from another part of the world, there are different philosophies upon which you are raised and different health traditions and different medicines and different sciences. And they all have different worldviews and they they conceive of the body and disease in different ways. And alongside the idea that health changes over time is that it it uh, we have different perspectives of health depending on how we how we imagine the world.
1: Exactly, but I think that's a that's the point. If you're taking this practice called yoga mm. and you're dropping it in all of these different systems of health and different situations of what that means, is it then going to do what each, area wants it to do
0: yeah i suppose it is inevitable then that it would become fragmented and it would have to either adapt to those different worldviews and become multi-pronged right or it would just fail um in those places
1: yeah i'm not su- and i'm not suggesting that there is a right answer by any means or or that even yoga is health and that's a fact statement Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. but i think given the fact that in the 20th century we see this as such a huge theme and we see this theme coming back in so many different ways definitely it's really interesting then to look at the practices and are they accomplishing that and what what does it all mean
0: The only other topic that I think is really worth talking about is the idea of yoga as peaceful or yoga as violent, mm-hmm. even. And I think that there's there's a pretty clear break mid-century. It's roughly uh, the Second World War and Indian independence again, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where when you look at yoga after that, when it, it becomes more prominent in the west And your post-World War II, uh, you have the hippie movement. um, You even have Vietnam, which exacerbates the hippie movement. That ideas of peace and brotherhood and love and expanding your consciousness and things like that get interwoven with yoga. Mm -hmm. And that from that point forward, yoga and peace, yoga and... um, is that the right way to say it? I mean, I know nonviolence is a big part of yoga from from very very early, but I feel like yoga becomes quote peaceful, right? Yep. After the Second World War.
1: Yeah, and and because nonviolence is a very important part of yoga going back a long time, it's really easy to mistake nonviolence as yoga always. Okay. Um. And, and, yeah, and perhaps like nonviolence is an important element of the the idea of yoga. Mm-hmm. But in a practical day to day sense, you're exactly right. The first even half of the the 20th century, you see yoga being used as a tool of of nationalism. Yeah,
0: as vigor a vigorous yeah, tool of nationalism,
1: unifying, strength building. Yeah. Like this is a tool that we are are unifying around. And we are developing our physical body for yeah. and this is specifically like anti British in Definitely. India. And this is a tool that is making us able to kind of rise up and take back the country. Yeah. And yeah, that's I mean to your point, there is a lot of vigor and and even uh even violence associated with that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean pre Indian independence. Like you're saying, it is about strength, and it is about Indian national identity. That that yoga is this sacred Indian thing, and it belongs to no one else. And so it is being used as a as a tool of separation. Mm-hmm. That like, yoga is Indian, and Krishnamacharya in in his 1942 book even says. Um, we are losing yoga to the foreigners who yeah, they come yeah. over and then they just, they take notes and they go home and they steal it from us. Mm-hmm. And we must keep it for ourselves and we must take it back. And the use of of yoga to build Indian national identity is so strong. Right. And it, it has the ability to diminish after the war when when independence is won.
1: It certainly becomes more peaceful outside of India. Um, but I think that in India, it still holds on to a, a sense of national identity. Mm. And perhaps even more particular than that, now India is is free from being underneath British control after 1947. Mm-hmm. But they still need to develop a country and there still needs to be leadership and, and political party and yeah. identity. Like the identity is still not solidified yeah and so i think that you have yoga still as a tool of indian identity yeah and and whether that is used broadly to incorporate like all of india or whether that is used narrowly to incorporate this particular group in india i think that is up for debate
0: yeah i mean maybe it's a problem that we that once the 50s happen in the 60s and you have like Indra Devi becomes famous. You have Vishnu Devananda and Ayengar, who are either in the West or targeting a Western audience, mm-hmm. and they are writing in English. Mm-hmm. Like it is very easy to overlook what's happening in India,
1: right? And and we we look to different places with sometimes little consideration to those those more minor. Uh, or or not minor, but underneath the surface details, like you're saying, mm. like, oh, well, it says this in this English book published in New York City. So this is what it means about yoga. But like, yeah. thinking of the audience that that is targeting, that same author even might be saying something very different um, to a different group of people.
0: Right. And not to cause you bad dreams or anything, but I know you're very close to being done with your your own dissertation mm-hmm, mm-hmm. about actually Bengali language sources, um, yoga teachers who are writing in Bengali and not in English
1: right. and these are n- it's not the same material yeah, yeah and you have some overlap, but you also have big themes, um, particularly around Indian nationalism. okay okay, which are in Bengali only and mm. not in English. And I think if people continue to look if if researchers continue to look at, you know, native languages, I would not be surprised to continue seeing this where mm. when you're targeting an English population or, or a really specific population, you're going to talk about something really different yeah. than you are in your own language.
0: Yeah. And so you say that some of this nationalism or at least at least the tying of Indian identity to yoga continues through the fifties.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's continuing today.
0: Yeah, okay. That's a good point. <laughs> you know?
1: <laughs> and it and it's up for debate today whether yoga is Indian and if so, is it all Indians or is it Mm-mm. certain groups of Indians?
0: Right. Is it nonviolent?
1: Is it nonviolent? I think it's up for debate whether, you know, yoga is is western certainly like someone like mark singleton has done tremendous research to to show like well it's in these exercise manuals Mm -hmm. out of germany or sweden or you know so then what does that mean Mm -hmm. and i think all of those debates are very present today and if you don't call it yoga but you're just you're doing the positions that somebody else calls yoga then are you still doing yoga Mm -hmm. or not you know for instance in the 80s we talked about this a lot where sometimes it's not even really being referred to as yoga right. or or if it is it's very lightly being referred to and then and then what does that mean
0: well i think that we've uh, basically figured it out right <laughs> There are, there are no lingering questions and no, no uncertainties left to untangle.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is the beautiful thing about any kind of study and understanding. It just tells you that there's more to to unpack because it asks as many questions as it answers. Yeah,
0: it definitely has brought up more questions and more uncertainty for me than than I had a couple months ago right, when we started.
1: Right. Yeah, absolutely. For me, too. So thanks, guys, for for tuning in to this whole series on the decades of the 20th century. We've really enjoyed uh, trying to unpack some of these sources and some of this material. And and we hope that you guys have enjoyed hopefully learning a little bit about yoga in the 20th century.
0: Sorry, we couldn't provide more concrete clarity and answers.
1: (laughs) Maybe maybe our next series will do that. <laughs> Probably not. We're going to take a little bit of time and regroup and,
0: and... prepare the next season. That's
1: right. Prepare the next season. Uh, we have several exciting ideas. So we'll be back soon with the next series from the yoga world. <laughs> to learn more about us or Ghost Yoga, you can find us online at ghostyoga.org on Facebook, or Twitter and Instagram, at Ghosh Yoga. Stay tuned for the next episode of Yoga World.
0: Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
1: Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office.